0: Uh, this morning uh, we're taking a time away from our journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're in Luke, but we are back, chapter eleven in chapter twelve. But we come to this last chapter, and as Lord is giving this commission to His disciples, uh, I thought it'd be good for us to focus on one phrase that'll help us open it up for our own lives and ministries here at West Park, and also as individuals. And so let's look at it again. Would you take your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 24, and let's look at verses 45 through 47. And this is what Gary read for us earlier. Verse 45 says, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And that's important. As Remember, unless we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open the Scriptures, they're a closed book to us, Right? But the Lord, who's the author of the book, he can help us understand the word. He said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. And then I want us to think about this phrase of this commission. It is to all the nations, the word nations there doesn't mean countries, it's ethne, it means people group. That his name will be shared, this message of repentance and forgiveness of sins... ...will be shared among all the people groups of the world, and notice, beginning from Jerusalem. Beginning from Jerusalem. And that's our theme for this missions emphasis... ...this year, beginning from Jerusalem. Beginning has the idea of extending on and on, doesn't it? And the Lord Jesus gave us the promise. He said, you are to go out in my name. All authority is given to me under heaven. He said, I want you to go and I want you to know... ...that I will be with you until the end of the age... Behold, I am with you always. So this mission continues. The Lord is still working out His mission. And notice, it is not just global to all the ethnic. But He told them it is from Jerusalem. It's to start right here. It is to be from Jerusalem to all The Now, what I'd like us to focus on today as we think about our church and us as individuals on mission, to think about the responsibility that we have to be a part of the global mission, but also the opportunity and responsibility to be a part of the local mission. Because wherever we gather, friends, wherever we are, that's our Jerusalem. Think about it, when Jesus spoke these words, back then, Knoxville, Tennessee was the uttermost parts of the earth. (laughs) Some people this very day still think it is the uttermost parts of the earth. But now it's Jerusalem for us. And the ministry continues. From our Jerusalem, we still carry out the mission locally and globally. Now what I'd like to do this morning is Andrew next Sunday is going to focus on that global mission. And you're going to hear incredible ways that we can participate in this mission around the world. And never before has there been a day like this in which we live. ...to have impact around the world. But what I'd like us to do this morning is to think about our mission in our Jerusalem. And what I'm praying is that we'll have a revision of what our mission is in our Jerusalem... ...where God has placed us. And I believe this morning if we will pray, listen carefully for those that are watching, those that are here... I think it might be for you a revelation of our Jerusalem. Because what I find, my dear friends, is that folks that live in this community have very little idea of the nature of this community. I was like that for many years. I think you'll be amazed to find out about our Jerusalem. So this is part of our mission and vision. And I want to just start there. I want to remind us, and it's good to be reminded as a church, what is our mission? Why do we exist? What do we exist? West Park Baptist Church exists for this reason. We exist to glorify God by reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and see them develop as disciples who love God, love people, and impact the world. That is our mission. The Lord Jesus said he wanted more disciples and he wanted better disciples. He wanted people to come to know him, become his disciples, and he wanted them to grow in grace so that they would be people characterized by a love for him, a love for others, and by that they would impact the world. That is our mission. More disciples... ...better disciples for Jesus Christ. But the Lord has also, over these last number of years... ...given us a vision as a church family for our community. (laughs) The nations, yes, absolutely. But our Jerusalem. Our vision is to become a church... ...that is more and more intentional about impacting our community with the ministry and the message of God's love. We want, by God's grace, to be a people that, yes, wherever we are, wherever we live, we work, we play, we are on mission. My friend, if you know Jesus, you're a missionary... (laughs) Because when he called you to follow him, he called you also to be on mission with him. There really is no such thing as a believer who's not a missionary. We are. So if you're waiting to be called to missions, I want to tell you something. Your phone's ringing, all right? It's ringing. And it's Jesus. He has a memo for you. (laughs) You're a missionary. Now follow me. Okay? So we're on mission And wherever we live, work, and play, we're missionaries. And friends, where we gather, we are also on mission for the Lord. A number of years ago, the Lord put on my heart to think about what are we giving to our community as a church body? What are we giving to our community other than traffic problems on Sunday morning? (laughs) Used to, there was very little traffic on Sunday. Middlebrook. Now it's like Church Street out there. What are we doing for our community? Well, that got me thinking and praying, driving around and asking God to give me fresh eyes for our community. And that led to us assembling a few years ago a Jerusalem team that would just go out, find out what we could find out about our community here where we gather and worship and come back and let the church body know about it. And quite frankly, it was astounding what we found out. What we found out that we did not really understand about the community in which we live. That led us to, as a church to have a time of dreaming. Some of you may remember the night of dreams. And we just asked people to dream about what we would found out about our community. We put big poster boards up here. Everybody had a sticky note. And we had over 800 sticky notes up here with what could we do to make a difference in our community based on what we had found out. Some of them were awesome ideas. Some of them, not so much. But from that, we had another night. Some of you might remember it. It was called the Night of Dreams. Revisited. Okay? Take two. And that brought us to a greater understanding of what we sense the Lord was saying to us about some areas where we could make a difference in our community, build bridges into needs in our community, and share Christ and His gospel and we called that endeavor Envision and we adopted it as a church. And It was a three-year strategic ministry, about six initiatives. And this is what we focused on for those three years. We focused on these three things for our community. Number one, ministries of mercy. How are we going to meet the needs of people, physical needs in our community? Number two, international friends. How are we going to reach out to The people God's brought us from around the world here in our Jerusalem. Number three, biblical counseling. How there was such a need for answers for the darkness and the depression and the anxiety. And we needed biblical counseling. Adoption and foster care. If we were going to make a difference in the cycle of brokenness. God wanted many of us to be involved in adoption and foster care. Amazing to see what God did and... So many families' lives. Number five, at-risk families. We found out about the challenges that families in our community were meeting and how can we help those at-risk families. And then number six was just a catch-all that we committed that our church facilities and our church campus would be a missional campus and that however, in any way, God could use it. And that on this campus, there would be no such thing as sacred spaces. There would just be sacred purposes. Sacred purposes. From that strategic plan, God did some great things. Some significant ministry areas over a period of few years emerged. I couldn't begin to mention them all. But the area of community care ministry began to emerge and contends this very day... The food pantry, biblical counseling, our renewal ministry, on and on it could go. Educational support ministries. And then we felt like that we needed, if we were going to be on mission for our Lord here in this community, that we really needed to have a local church mission. Actually have a missions ministry. And so the vision was shared from the leadership about establishing a local mission ministry. What would we call it? We decided, well, what is our Jerusalem? And there's, it's hard to put borders on it, but we decided, well, it's this area of Cedar Bluff and Middlebrook. What, what can we call it? Well, how about Cedar Brook. okay? And that's what we called it. And in Thanksgiving 2017, after challenging you all to... Fund this vision. This body, on that Sunday, gave nearly $250,000 for the start of this ministry. And in two weeks, it'll be three years ago, March 4th, when we marched forth on the vision. (laughs) I know, corny, but people caught it. March 4th on the vision. And we began Cedar Brook Outreach. And I cannot tell you over the last three years the amazing things God has done. Amazing. I, I couldn't begin to share with you. But God is using many of you. And we are partnered now with other churches. This is so wonderful. It was a plan all along. That in this area, that churches would work together. We would labor. And God is making big differences. And we're focusing places like Nature's Cove, the Pines, Madison Place, these, just these three over a thousand homes just in those three areas. The opportunities in our Jerusalem have never been greater, my friends. And now I just want to ask you to bear with me. This really isn't a message, so to speak, but I want you to really listen. And I promise you, I'm going to, I'm going to go quickly. You, and some of you are saying good because last week you didn't do so hot in the quick department, okay. But I'm going to go fast. But I want you to know something. You'll get everything that I'm about to say and more is in a little packet that's going to be given to you as you leave. I wouldn't let anybody give it to you before you got in here because I know how that works. <laughs> but when you leave, you'll get this information and more. It'll be on the website and it, we'll be referring to it because... Here's what I want us to do this morning, friends. I want us to see our Jerusalem. I want us to see our Jerusalem. And we'll do this quickly. And I'm thankful for this information. It's going to be on screens. You They're viewing online. will be able to see it. I'm thankful for Danny Cove, one of our members here. and He's been serving as community analyst uh, with... Cedar Brook. He's pulled this information together. Amazing. God gave him a PhD that he received last summer from UT about geography and community. <laughs> and how communities change. And isn't amazing where God brought him? And we're thankful. So let me tell you about it. First of all, let's define what is our Jerusalem. Let's define it. Well, We define it uh, this way. There's a map that's going to come up and you'll see there a little box, a little gold star. Again, you'll see it very clearly when you get the packet. But notice, if you would, the light gray area. The light gray area, not the dark. But the light gray, that's a 10-minute drive from where you're seated right now. That's a 10-minute drive. In that 10-minute drive from where you're seated right now lives 81,000 people. 81,000 people live within 10 minutes of where you're seated. But what we call our Cedar Brook, our Jerusalem, we've decided let's go five minutes. Let's just focus on five-minute drive around where God sovereignly placed this body to gather. That we call, that's the dark green you'll see on the map. That's five minutes drive and there lives 29,000 people. Live within five minutes of where you're seated. And we know about 89, 88% of those folks do not have any affiliation with church at all. So if you think Knoxville's the Bible, the buckle belt, please don't ever say that again because someone might know the truth. Because Knoxville is an unreached city. It's unreached. Those three red boxes you'll see sort of up there. That's just three communities that we're in. But what do you do? How do you approach, how do you approach reaching a community of nearly 30,000 people? <laughs> you know what you have to do? You have to think like a missionary. And that's what God put on my heart some time ago. What if we at West Park... We just think like a missionary thing. When they arrive in a community, what does a missionary begin to try to find out about the community? We think we already know. <laughs> well, let's see if we do. Let's take a little uh, tour of our Jerusalem. First of all, let's see our Jerusalem. Let's understand the population and the racial ethnicity that lives here. Total population in this five minutes around our church, 28,841. Under the age of five, 1931. Five years old to 17, 4,351 people. It's about 80.73% white. This is 2018 statistics. 2020 uh, census material doesn't come out. Uh, until next month, so we missed a little bit. It's supposed to come out next month, okay? We actually called about it and asked our government about the census, and they said, oh, was there a census in 2020? Okay, it just seemed like kind of missed that in 2020, a little thing called a census, all right, but we'll have the information. This is through 2018, 9% black, 5.5% Hispanic, nearly 3%. ...Asian and then others about 2%. But notice that under the age of 17, under the age of 17 in five minutes from here... ...there are 6,282 people under the age of 17. How about household characteristics? Well, there are 11,917 households within this five minutes. And notice... About 13% are single-parent homes, female-headed or male-headed, single-parent homes, 13%. You'll notice 575 or so, owner-occupied, renter, 42.5%. But notice that of the 11,917 homes, 13% or over 1,100 are single-parent homes. What does that mean to missionaries, real missionaries? How do we think about that? What kind of education the people within this five minutes, where we gather to worship, we find these statistics, about 27% have less than high school education, about 10.36% associate degree, 21%. Some college, 25%. Have a bachelor's and about sixteen and a half percent have a graduate or professional degree. Now notice seven thousand seven hundred and fifty of the twenty-nine thousand less than a high school education. What does that mean for our ministry? What platforms for gospel? You might find this interesting. We. Think we're a computer internet society, and we are, but within this five minute radius, our Jerusalem, 6.61% of the people have no computer, 8.818% have no internet service. So almost 15% of the people live within our Jerusalem have no access really to computer or the internet. And you know, that's nearly 4,400 people. What's the impact on virtual learning when you don't have access to a computer or the internet? What's the impact, but what's the opportunity for the gospel to meet needs? Let's think about the socioeconomic characteristics of our Jerusalem, right here where we are We find out some interesting things when it comes to poverty, and we'll define this a little bit more clearly in just a moment. But according to the nation's national statistics from our government, in our Jerusalem, almost 4% live in severe poverty, 5.5%, 5.3% live in poverty, 3.22% live near poverty. So, of the 29,000 people who live in our Jerusalem, 13% live in poverty. Think about that. Of the 29,000, 3,700 live in what the government understands as poverty. Unemployment, a little over 5%. Again, that's the latest statistics, we could get food stamp program about nine and a half percent of the people in our Jerusalem. Now, what I want us to do is stop for a moment. Let's just have a moment. Let's reflect. I can throw out all kinds of statistics, but we need to reflect. What's our Lord's commission when we think about that? When we think about this kind of information, what's our Lord's ...mission for us. Well, as I look at it, I'm reminded of what the Lord said... ...to the disciples who got more interested about lunch... ...than someone from another ethnicity knowing about the Messiah. And Jesus said, do you not say... There are yet four months. Then comes in the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. See the fields. They are white for harvest. (laughs) This woman at the well went back and told the men of the city that she had met the Messiah. They all come running down to the well. They're wearing their white Samaritan turbans. And they remind Jesus of wheat waving in the wind. (laughs) And he says, look the fields. Look, open your eyes. The harvest is now. Right now. Let's talk about our Jerusalem some more. Our Jerusalem is growing in population. It's growing in population. Have a population pyramid you'll be able to take home with you. Basically it just takes the population, separates it male, female and then to different age categories. But here's what you'll find out about uh, our area. This might interest you. From 1990, 1990 until 2018, the state of Tennessee grew by 36 percent. 36 percent. And from 1990 to 2018, the county of Knox, Knox County, grew by 36 percent since 1990. Since 1990, 120,000 more people live in Knox County than they did at that, that year. It's probably more than that. That's two years ago. But now, what do we know about the age groups in our Jerusalem? Our Jerusalem is 29,000 of that population of Knox County. What do we know about the folks... The age group of people live in our area. Well here's just some things to note. The largest age group is 25 to 29-year-olds. They represent nine and a half percent of the population of our community. 2,755, 25 to 29. Ages 19 to 34, right out of high school to 34, that's 27% of our Jerusalem. About 7,830 people. 18 and under, 23%, 670 people under the age 18 or under in our area. Listen carefully, church. In our Jerusalem, 50% of the people are under the age of 34. 50%. Now let's pause, West Park. Let's think about our demographics compared to our Jerusalem that we are called to reach. I will tell you that our general demographic is not reflecting this that we're seeing when it comes to young adults. It's Not even close. So the question, what must we do? We're here, we're in this area, what must we do to reach this Younger adult, young adult population in our community. What must we do? What will we do? What will we do? If we are going to be missionaries, we know this information, then it must be part of our strategic planning. How we're going to go about ministry going forward. Knowing the community in which the Lord has ...allowed us to gather every Sunday and many times, other times, to minister to this community. Our Jerusalem is growing in diversity. Not just growing in numbers, growing in diversity. Let me share with you, Tennessee grew by 36%. And you'll have an opportunity to see a big blow up of this. But here's what I want you to know. That... In the last 28 years, the state of Tennessee has grown by 1,800,000 people. And you see the population growth, the blue line, the yellow line underneath that is the the white population of the state of Tennessee. The black population of the state, about 16 percent. And then along with the African-American population, other racial, ethnic minority groups. Latinos, Asians, two or more races. These are the growing areas of our demographic. In particular, in the state of Tennessee, since 1990, the Latino population has grown by 976 percent. 976 percent. In the state of Tennessee, in 1990, there were 32,741 Latino ethnicity people. Today, in 2018, 352,000. Well, what about Knox County? Knox County, again, has grown by 36% over these years. 120,000 more people in our county. White population, of course, predominant, then about 9% or so of the African-American population. And then also significant growth among the Latinos, Asians, and then two or more races, biracial, more. And again, in Knox County, consider the growth of the Latino population in Knox County in this period of time. It's grown by 808%. 808%. And just to give you a little snapshot of what that looks like, the next thing I want you to see is just this. This is Knox County. And if you're just looking at this, easily you can see the dark blue or the blue color. All of the dark blue, the blue, it stands for places, areas of our county where there's practically no or very, very little diversity of ethnicity. The dark red is where there's the highest proportion of diversity. Closer to town. Notice if you would, everything we call West Knoxville gets lighter and lighter Not a lot of racial diversity, except if you look inside that little red box there in West Knoxville. Where West Park Baptist is, where you are seated, and you will find that within our Jerusalem, this five-minute drive time, there is a growing and growing diversity of ethnic background. It's growing incredibly. When I looked at this, I thought, well, what's our Lord's commission? What's the Lord want us to think? And I was reminded of the struggle of the early church. You know what the early church struggled with almost more than anything else? Breaking out across ethnic barriers. And we read this in Acts chapter 11, verse 19... Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. He's our Messiah. We're Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. That's the way it's supposed to be. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all what? All people to me. He's the savior of the world. But I love this. There were some of them who didn't get the memo. That, you know, we we worship a little different than everybody else. We have our ways. They didn't get the memo, so some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who coming to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists. They spoke to the Greek speakers the, and crossing these ethnic lines. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them as they were reaching across with the gospel, those ethnic lines. The Lord was with them and great numbers were added by those who believed. As they turned to the Lord. And in just a few verses later it says at Antioch. Where there were Jews and Gentiles. And multi-ethnic people gathering in the name of one known as the Christos. That's where these people were first called what? Christians. We got to give a name to these people. Who... Who worship together, serve together, love each other. This has never happened. This is the, these are the followers of Christ. The Christ. They're Christians. What was it that gave the name Christians to followers of Messiah? It was the fact that all barriers of ethnicity were broken down in Jesus' name. And they began to reach across those boundaries. The question is this. Will we? Will we? That's the Lord's mission. Will we? Are we willing to do that? Are we going to be proactive with that? Are we going to do whatever it takes for us to be truly a people who gather and we are not only open, but we are Progressively working toward building relationships across any ethnic bounds. All in the name of the one who tears down all the walls, right? The Lord Jesus. Are we willing? What do we need to do? What must we do? Then I want you to see our Jerusalem is growing, sadly, in poverty and hunger. Poverty and hunger. You say, no, 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 this is America. Yes, it is. We have in our area what are known as food deserts. That was a new term to me, food deserts. A food desert is defined this way. It's an area where people have limited access to healthy and affordable food. It's a group within a census tract where there is low access to food coupled with low income. And you'll see here on the right side, right side of the map, you have the low access tracts. That's all the green in Knox County. Then you have the low-income tracks. That's the orange part. And that coming together is what causes a food desert. Low access to food coupled with low income. Now, what does that look like in our Jerusalem? Of course, in our West Knoxville, Jerusalem, there would be no such thing as a food desert. Right? Wrong. Within five minutes of our church, there are two... Designated food desert, where low access to good food coupled with low income provides this, causes this. The first one you'll notice is in the orange at the bottom, just so you'll know where that is. That's down around Cedar Bluff off, off, up Fox Lonas Road, area behind McDonald's, and that area. You think about that as you next time you go to McDonald's, okay? That area up there. That area is 21 percent severe poverty, 17 percent on food stamps, less than high school education, 31 percent. What do you have? Low education plus poverty brings food insecurity. There's another one. You see the other orange one? That's further east. That's the area up behind Bearden Middle School, around Bearden Middle School, Pines Apartments and other areas that we're ministering up there. There, 36% of the people live in, severe, in poverty, near poverty or severe poverty. And there, 36% of the people have less than a high school education. And again, lack of education. Poverty, food insecurity. 9,000 people live within just those two food deserts within five minutes of our church. What's that lead to? Well, it leads to this. It leads to food insecurity where people are concerned about their food. 3,200 people. You see that lower orange box? You can look at this when you get the packet But in our Jerusalem, 3,200 people are struggling with issues of food security. That means, here's how the the technical definition. At times during the year, eating patterns of these households are disrupted. Food intake has to be reduced over lack of money, resources for food. Now think about what do you think that feels like? And some of our body and our body know. What does it feel like when you're really not secure about food for your family? Here's what people say that feels like. This is an answer to official questions. How many of you were worried the food would run out? This is in our five-minute area. Ninety-seven percent of this category said they were worried. They were concerned that food will not last until the next pay, 96%. They sometimes couldn't afford a balanced meal, 94% of this group. you going down and said they've been hungry but did not eat because of lack of food, 69%. Some of them losing weight, some saying they had to go for an entire day, 35 36% going because they did not have food. Now... Again, as we think about what's that feel like, that's what love does, friends. Love listens, love feels. What are, is the commission of God's people? What's our commission from our Lord? <laughs> what's the biblical touchstone? What, where does this touch on our Lord's mission for His people? Well, here's what His brother said. And I would say Jesus' brother probably knew a little bit what Jesus thought. <laughs> James said this: If a brother or sister is, poor, is poorly clothed, lacking their daily food, one of you says, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself does not that does not have works; it's dead. What, what does this mean? Love doesn't just feel, love does. Love responds. And responds in Jesus' name. Last thing I want you to see, and again, this is our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is growing in international diversity. International diversity. Within the five minutes of where you're seated this morning, within five minutes of this location, there are people representing sixty different nations. Sixty. Six zero. Different nations from many countries. You, You see the map. You see the dots. The larger the dot means the more people are living in our Jerusalem from that region of the world. They came here from there. Notice Mexico. Notice the central America and the Caribbean. How large that is. Look at the size in the Middle East. people from the Middle East that are here. Africa. Look at Asia. My friends, listen. The nations are at our doorstep. We don't just have to send out laborers on the mission field. You go to church in the mission field. We're we're in an island in the middle of people groups. (laughs) And God's brought here. The world is here. That's what I want us to understand. The world is here. Just think about the foreign-born statistics. The world is here. Here are all the areas of the world. Again, you'll be able to look at this. All the areas of the world where people foreign-born are now living here in this five-minute drive time... 3,457 or 12% of the people who live within five minutes of where you are seated were not born here. They were born in another country. I might ask, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? That's a good question for us to really ask ourselves. How do I feel about that? What do I think about knowing... That many people from different countries are here. And I have to ask myself, am I thinking like a Christian? My first thought is not how they got here. Who let them in? No, my my thought is... To try, by God's grace, to see these folks the way Jesus sees them, right? What an opportunity. Think about it. Think of these people that are here now. They may be here long term, become residents, or they may go back, but they're here. Talk about sending out laborers into the harvest. Nobody can be a laborer in their country like people from their country. Our Lord's commission. (laughs) What is it? We read it earlier. Luke 24, verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written, that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the ethne, beginning... From Jerusalem. Beginning from Jerusalem. And my friends, if it's going to begin from our Jerusalem, if it's going to begin from our Jerusalem, you know what I know? It's got to begin with me. It's got to begin with you. As long as we think, well, this is a program our church has got going on. Isn't it great that we can support this or that? And that's wonderful to support the various kinds of ministries and partners we have. But my friends, where we live, where we, where we gather, we're on mission, right? And beginning with me. Imagine it just even being involved. Somebody say, well, I don't know if I can go out into some of these areas. don't know if I'm ready with that. Well, how about just serving in children's ministry here? Do you know you can have an international ministry just serving in ch- children's ministry here in Jesus' name, serving in Iwana. It's amazing. How about the community care ministry serving in one of those capacities? What about helping in Cedarbrook? Just saying, I'll be some hands and feet. What about our international relationships? What about this survey? What about, Lord, helping me to see the nations? Help me to see who I can build a relationship with in Jesus' name. It begins with me where I am. And folks, that's what I want us to think about. I didn't share all this, all this to me. I hope it doesn't come across in any way. As well, I started to say, not coming across as heavy. It, It is heavy, and we should feel the weight of it. But you know what? It's the weight of responsibility, but more than that, it's the weight of privilege, right? What a privilege to be in the kingdom at such a time as this! What an opportunity to be a part of sharing the ministry and message of God's love in our community wherever we go we're in our jerusalem now lord i prayed for us right now as we bow our heads and i pray that as we sing to you now that we'll sing from our heart this truth lord we need you we need you lord what an incredible opportunity for us what an incredible opportunity for others! churches in this community. I thank God for these partner churches. I thank God for the leaders that are are, are connecting and getting like-minded, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, and Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity. I pray, touch our hearts, Lord, and open our eyes, and Lord, let us think about what you might do. Through us individually as a people, as we turn outward, as we are a community for one another, but as we're in this community to make Jesus known and to do that in word, the word of the gospel, and also to do it in deed and deeds of love. Lord, I pray you'd help us now. We need you, Lord, we need you. Desperately, But God, with you, we can speak Jesus. With you, we are your hands and feet. With you, we are the life. With you, lives are being changed and more will be changed. We are grateful by faith we can claim this. In the name of Jesus and God's people, agreeing with this prayer, said, Amen.